Sam, how's your uh, how's your brother's wedding? Are you recovered from it? I mean, it only took three days in bed, but now I have a jalapeno problem, so <laughs> not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Midlight Crisis, a real podcast hosted by three grown-up biologists revisiting books from our teens, and it's totally cool. This started as a book podcast, but now it's devolved into us debating, like, the ecological impact of glittery vampires. So, um, yeah, that's that's why we're putting the biologists in there. <laughs> Just so you know up front what you're getting into. <laughs> We didn't know that's what we were getting into when we started this podcast, and here we are today. <laughs> and then we started doing math on how fast vampires can run. <laughs> Let's introduce ourselves. My name is Sophie, and as always, I have a randomly generated name, but this time it's a fantasy name. My randomly generated name is a good one, which I think I say every time. <laughs> They're always good. <clears throat> My name is... <laughs> Sorry. is... Okay, I have to not think about it before I say it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh my god, the anticipation. <laughs> it's just I keep reading it as I'm about to say it, and it's too much. Okay. <clears throat> My name is Bronweed Deathlone. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. Bronweed just keeps getting to me. <laughs> uh, it's me, Bronweed. <laughs> Bronweed. Deathlone. <laughs> Loan me your death. <laughs> oh, man. I'm probably some kind of, like, assassin. Mm. One of those. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what was the last name again? Death loan? <laughs> like a yeah. loan you get from a bank? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. You know the, mur- you know the murder bank? Yeah. The murder bank? <laughs> <laughs> There's like, Definitely. I'm about to murder someone, and my one liner before they die is like, I'm coming to collect. <laughs> <laughs> so, are, are you like a reaper? That's cool. uh, I guess so. That would be cool. <laughs> that would make more sense. Yeah. Okay. Who are you guys? Oh boy, I don't know if I can top that. I don't even know <laughs> if I can say mine. Um, but oh. my real name is Sam, and my fantasy name of the week is Libly Griffinemy. <laughs> Wait. What? Uh huh. Libly Griffinamy. <laughs> Y'all are better with pronunciation. One sec. Uh-huh. Let me just uh, copy this into the chat and uh, okay, we'll see what y'all think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this new generator. <laughs> Lib- Libly Griffinemy. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to not be like Griffinemy. <laughs> Griffin-enemy. <laughs> I'm Libby uh, Griffin-enemy. I think I am just, I'm a townsperson. I'm just yeah. like hmm. the tavern 
wench, I guess is the yeah. correct yeah. word to use. You know? Yeah, you'd be like the one who owns the bar or something. Exactly. Yeah. Libly is like weirdly cute. <laughs> Libly is fun. Libly. And I like looking <laughs> at the word griffin enemy. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. It's, it is. I know oh, man. it's like a pet peeve of Hannah's and sometimes mine. When people say the word anemone as anemone, like you put an N where the M is supposed to be. I (laughs) mean, it's fine. I'm never going to stop somebody. But this word is (laughs) the wrong way to say anemone. (laughs) Griffin anemone. Griffin (laughs) anemone. Uh, I love it. Anyways. <laughs> anyway, my name is Hannah, but for the purposes of this podcast, you can call me <laughs> Grapfon King Blower. <laughs> what? You are a pirate lord. There is no question about it. You are a pirate lord. I was like, am I some sort of concubine? <laughs> All anyway, that. One, more, one more time. Yeah. <laughs> it is I. Grapfon King Blower. <laughs> Grapfon oh is very piratey. King like Blower my is my father little... and his father before him. <laughs> the long line of King Blowers. <laughs> uh, gosh. Uh, Grapfon is good. Grapfon is pretty good. Grapfin and my friends Libby and whatever the fuck Sophie was. (laughs) Bronweed, of course. Oh, yes, Bronweed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, great. Okay, that was a good round. So anyway, to get into our why we have the fantasy names is for the fantasy book we're reading, which is Aragon. (laughs) Yay. We read two chapters this week to simulate the uh, Twilight (laughs) and Midnight Sun experience. but way better (laughs) but also because one of the chapters is only two pages and like yeah we can waffle on for a while but that's that's a bit that's asking a bit much (laughs) that's asking a bit much we'd go on some tangents hopefully Mm -hmm. or the episode would be 14 (laughs) minutes long and we'd be like all right see you next week (laughs) but yeah do you want to tell us what happened in the first chapter sam yeah, so I looked out with the shorter chapter to summarize. <laughs> and obviously my summaries will not be as good as Hannah's because I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but we are now introduced to our good old 15-year-old white protagonist, Aragon. Hey. He starts off the chapter with, with some hunting, which is quickly ruined by some mysterious disturbance. I wonder what it is. Whoa. And then he finds the shiny blue stone that I'm sure is important later on in the book. And I might have spoiled myself, a.k.a. my boyfriend <laughs> spoiled it for me. Wow. Wow. Anyways. <laughs> Hannah, what happened in uh, Palancar Valley? Did I say that right? Palancar? I think so. Probably. That's how I say it. Cool. Go me. Yeah, you did it. <laughs> so chapter two of Aragon is called Palancar Valley. And it is very much a stage setting chapter where we as the readers learn more about the setting, specifically the titular Palancar Valley, which is where Aragon's hometown of Carvajal is. 
Um, so we get like a little bit of the topography of the area and we're introduced to some characters, including Sloan the Butcher, who is immediately established as being antagonistic towards Aragon, and Horse the Blacksmith, who is immediately established as being an ally to Aragon when he buys food for Aragon's family when Sloan won't accept payment in the form of a very mysterious blue rock. It also establishes that, of course, Aragon is a little orphan boy who was raised by his uncle and lives with his cousin. Cute. It is, yep. Listen, you know how mm-hmm. I feel <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> about this kind of thing, okay? I am on board with Aragon and his family. <laughs> okay, Weird. but these two chapters literally could not scream, I'm the chosen one trope more. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Well, well, I have a quote. Oh, oh no. Okay. Aragon was one of those few that could enter the spine. (laughs) Not because of any particular gift, but it seemed because of his persistent vigilance and sharp reflexes. I'm sure there is a particular gift in there somewhere. No, he's just a regular boy. Like everyone else. He's just like you and me. Of yeah. course. Regular, normal person. Just a totally normal kid. I did notice, I guess, or start thinking about the trope that like you introduce the teen fantasy protagonist as they are the hunter. And then I was trying to like look up that trope to see if I could find more examples other than Katniss and Feyre. But I couldn't figure out what the trope was called. But, like, that's a thing, right? Like, it's not just that I have read those specific books. That's, like, a widespread thing where it's, like, we introduce our protagonist as, like, the only person in their village who, like, is brave enough to go hunting in this certain place. And then you see them hunting as, like, a character establishing moment. Yeah. Like, where where did that come from? (laughs) I mean, I feel like that's very fairy tale, right? Like, Oh, true. Yeah. I was going to say a lot of books that I have read uh-huh. <laughs> have that kind of trope at the beginning <laughs> where it's always like the only person willing to, you know, be different, go outside the town, yeah, brave the forest. I think it's <laughs> called, I feel like the trope might be called like into the for like it's, it's something about into the woods or something like that's a musical, but <laughs> there is, there is a trope of like going into the forest it's like, it's a thing. I can't think of any other examples besides the two you mentioned, Hannah, but yeah, I feel like, yes. This isn't an original idea. Both of the books that I can think of came after Aragon, but I'm sure Aragon wasn't the one to originate it. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, The Bear and the Nightingale does it, and uh-huh. Uprooted and Spinning Silver do it too, I'm pretty sure. So uh, Those seems yeah. like books that would do it. <laughs> yep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, not to just always come back to it, but I'm pretty sure every Mercedes Lackey fairy tale book does it too. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> this would make In sense. In some sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a thing. Anyway, Aragon, unlike Katniss and Feyre, fails to get anything in his hunt. Not necessarily because of his own lack of skill, but because of this mysterious stone that appears. So mysterious. So mysterious. And the stone is described in some detail. It has a flawless surface 
that is polished so smooth that nature could never have done it. It's dark blue <laughs> with uh, <laughs> veins of white. It's cool and frictionless like hardened silk or like perhaps a vampire. And <laughs> it <laughs> it is oval, about a foot long, and weighs several pounds, though it felt lighter than it should have. So Sam, what do we think is the deal with this stone? <laughs> okay, so... If I didn't know this book was about dragons, <laughs> my like first gut was I I thought that the stone had something to do with like magic and if you had the stone like you could hatch a dragon or something like that. Mm. Because of the way it's described, I didn't think it was an egg, but now I'm I'm pretty sure that that it's the egg to his his dragon. Dang. Yeah. 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 What yeah. gave it away? Maybe the fact that it was very blue and like the book is super blue <laughs> with a blue dragon on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I won't lie, it was Wikipedia that wrote it. <laughs> but I don't know. I just like the way they were describing it. I was like, I didn't think egg right away. Again, well, I, I did miss the very obvious vampire in the prologue. So <laughs> you're just off your game a little bit. Yeah. yeah, it's it's been a, it's a rough few months. Yeah, Wikipedia kindly told me that it is in fact, I believe, a dragon egg. But also, I think I knew that the main character's name was Aragon, but I thought the dragon's name was Aragon. <laughs> so, anyways, that's how uh, that's how it ended up getting spoiled to me. <laughs> Alas. I mean, Aragon does seem more like a dragon name than a person name, simply based on the fact that it's literally just the the word dragon but he went one letter down in the alphabet and was like yeah good enough yeah yeah that's it that's the name that's it that's the one for me all right well now that we know that this is an egg i want to talk about eggs (laughs) oh hell yeah (laughs) all right Uh uh-huh specifically that this is a very big egg the largest extant egg is the ostrich egg which is only about six inches long, so that's half as big as this mysterious blue egg that could or could not have a dragon within it. Mm-hmm. And ostrich eggs weigh about three pounds, obviously pretty sizable, but not quite as big as this mysterious egg. So I was like, hmm, what's a large lizard that might have had large eggs? Oh, God. <laughs> so I discovered that... This egg that Aragon has found is about equivalent in size to the egg of the Hypsilosaurus, which is the largest egg that has ever been discovered and was laid by the Hypsilosaurus, which was a species of sauropod, so a dinosaur. These eggs were a foot long and weighed about 15 and a half pounds. Weirdly, Hypsilosaurus was like a fairly small sauropod, so maybe other sauropods had bigger kinds of eggs or had bigger sizes of eggs that just haven't been discovered yet yeah but i only know a little bit about sauropods i know they're like tetrapod herbivores diplodocus and like brachiosaurus like all of those big ones you think of with the really long necks and the really long tails Mm -hmm. for example if you were like me and were obsessed with land before time as a kid they are the (laughs) long necks (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. so they're some of the biggest dinosaur species to have existed with some of the biggest eggs to ever have existed. But, you know, 
as someone who doesn't know very much about dinosaurs, I thought it would be cool to ask somebody who does know things about dinosaurs. So, Sophie, can you tell us about sauropods? <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's definitely not me. So. <laughs> uh, man, I won't. I won't lie. Sauropods are some of the dinosaurs I am the least interested in. <laughs> But they're Don't so tell big. <laughs> any of the paleontologists. Oh man. <laughs> Listen, I was more into extinct um invertebrates. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm Perhaps shocked. unsurprisingly. And then also the bird dinosaurs. Right. Yeah, I mean, a fun thing about eggs and seropods. What? Huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> <Sauropods>. <laughs> Is that there's some parental care probably just in that they would keep together in herds they do move in herds they do move in herds just like the historically accurate <laughs> Jurassic Park <laughs> uh, but otherwise there's some debate on if the babies would like form their own herds and then kind of hang out with the adults later yeah, I guess it probably depends on the species. And also, it's pretty hard to determine behavior from fossils. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perhaps True. unsurprisingly. Yes. Yep. What I do know is that for the size, right, like titanosaurs, which are like the biggest sauropods, mm-hmm. are like gigantic, right? Like they're so big. <laughs> and yeah. the eggs, for having an egg that's like a foot long... Like, that's tiny. <laughs> yeah. So titanosaurs and, like, I guess other big sauropods, maybe, can get over 100 feet or 30 meters long, which is yeah. ridiculously big. Yeah. yeah. The lo- I think Patagotitan, I think, sure. is the biggest one. Yeah. Okay. And it was definitely over 100 feet long. <laughs> that's so big. <laughs> so your baby is so tiny. Wow. So tiny. So at least, like, this egg, compared to a bird, (laughs) this egg could conceivably grow into a very long dragon. (laughs) Yes. Damn. If that's what it does. Who knows? mm -hmm. It could just be a rock. (laughs) Yeah, it could just be a rock is what I I think. It's just a magical rock. It's just a magical rock. That allows a dragon to, like, form somehow. Yeah. It's like, um... Aristotle's theory of spontaneous generation, like how if you leave a bunch of rags on the floor, mice will generate there. Mm-hmm, it's the same yeah. kind of thing. If you have a bunch of magical rocks, then a dragon spawns in that area. Yeah, exactly. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also, just like the sentence right before the description of the egg, which Hannah said, nature had <sighs> never polished a stone as smooth <laughs> as this one. It's such know? a weird sentence. Like, it's so, yeah. so weird. But nature polished this egg as smooth as it. Like, <laughs> like that's nature. Like, mm-hmm. have you ever picked up, like, a river stone? Like, they're pretty smooth. <laughs> but they're not as smooth as this egg, which feels like hardened silk. I mean, <laughs> I've there are some pretty smooth stones out there. <laughs> it's true. You know, maybe he just thought that someone had, like, a really, really big rock tumbler set up in their living room. And then yeah. threw an egg into an explosion and made it appear in the middle of his hunt. 
totally logical yes. magic you know yeah i just I, it, I my brain immediately was like oh so like the creationism is <laughs> what's going on here <laughs> uh, right like like oh it's a living creature so it must have been created by god uh, i didn't and even I was think like, of that i don't i don't know about that <laughs> yeah that's a like i i thought that sentence was weird just in its construction not as much in its message like it's just a really weird way to say that mm-hmm. but yeah i suppose again he was a 15 year old fantasy reader so yeah. he gets a pass he gets a I was, pass. I was gonna say a lot of his writing is very um yeah metaphory questionable metaphors and just very odd <laughs> yeah it's not masterful by any means i still thoroughly enjoyed it but that might be because of like how much i enjoyed aragon as a kid like the second chapter the palancar valley chapter the whole time i was reading it i was like getting stoked and like remembering all of these things was like oh my gosh like they're in the spine and like oh yeah like he lives in carvajal and like isn't carvajal super oh yeah it is super isolated like oh my god (laughs) the first time i saw sloan's name on the page i was like Ooh, I have bad vibes from this guy, but I can't remember why. And then Sloan immediately acts like an asshole, and I'm like, "That's why. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> That's the one." Did we confirm if these books hang out in nine to twelve? They must, right? Yeah. So the last time I was at Chapters, they were shelved in the teen section. There were a couple shelves below Fireborn, and like one shelf over from the Twilight books. Mm-hmm. I know we talked about this before that there's kind of like older YA and younger YA and it like there's no technical distinction but there is kind of an obvious distinction like as a reader Mm -hmm. I feel like this falls more into the like younger YA middle grade yeah category but it is technically shelved in teen okay probably because of the later books maybe I don't remember the later books as much me neither I feel like maybe because of the later books, if it gets more YA, like that's because like that's what they did with um, a court of number one through three, because <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, because a court of number four was so spicy, they had to put the whole series in adult. Because obviously, if someone starts reading it at like fifteen, they'll probably make it to that fourth book pretty quick. And oh boy, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I don't know, that might be, I never, re- I obviously didn't read the other four books, so I don't know how Aragon ends with the last book, but maybe it gets pretty dark like Harry Potter does. I do remember it like gets pretty intense at certain parts. And I like, yeah. I remember being kind of overwrought and upset at the end of the series. I don't remember why, but like mm. it probably did get kind of dark up in there. Mm. Interesting. So that could be why. Mm-hmm. Dang. I do know there's one character whose story is, like, absolutely f***ing tragic, and I thought about a Uh-oh. lot as a kid. Aww. Uh-oh. But later, right? <laughs> yeah, we won't meet him for a while. <laughs> Great. Oh, okay. I did, I did, yeah, confirm. On the Chapters website, Aragon is on the 100 Best Teen Books of All Time list. So, yeah. sure. It is below Twilight, you guys. <laughs> I hate that. Oh, boy. Twilight is fourth on the list. Hunger Uh, Games is first. This might not be in order. Right. Hunger Games is 
the first row is Hunger Games, The Hate You Give, and Harry Potter and oh. the Deathly Hallows. The Hate You Give is astoundingly good. There you go. Yeah. There I mean, those it. are all Court- good choices. I would <laughs> the Court say. of Thorns and Roses nope. is below Aragon. <laughs> Okay. So get ready, Sam. You're going to love this one. (laughs) I'm on board with that, but I think it's objectively incorrect. (laughs) No. No, maybe not so much. Was anyone else like, I don't know. I, Aragon was at this point, we've only heard him speak for like four pages. He's like Mm -hmm. wildly mature. (laughs) Yes. Like, yeah. For a protagonist of a teen book, so far, he is like extremely chill <laughs> and competent. It is very, very Katniss Everdeen, the kind of like mm-hmm. I have grown up to take care of my family kind of vibe. Yeah. And in, in this world, he does specifically say that being 15, he is less than a year away from being considered an adult. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I just feel like in the traditional teen novel as opposed to like the traditional fantasy novel right by this point you would have gotten in his head more Mm. and he would have like been stressed about stuff or like questioning you know what he was doing or Mm -hmm. right like yeah that's a good point in his head he would be unsure of himself or like, yeah, maybe it's just because we read Twilight before then. <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> but I just feel like there's a lot of like mental dithering going on in teen books. So like, I was like, wow, what a chill guy. I like this so far. Yeah. I don't know if that's the difference of like having a male lead <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to how people perceive a female lead character. Yeah. I wonder. <laughs> yeah, right. I was going to say, I wonder if, if it's related to the fact that it was written by somebody who was the same age as the character. Yeah. yeah. So there's like less of a need to try to communicate a teen headspace because as far as he's concerned, like this is just the headspace that Aragon has because it's the headspace that he has in this world he's created. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. One of the criticisms that a lot of like the older YA in particular can get and a criticism that I often have for it is teenagers not acting like teenagers. Like Mm -hmm, if you read Six of Crows and you want to tell me that Kaz Brecker is 17, like that man is 23 at a minimum. (laughs) There's no way that's a 17 year old. But at least in this case, it's a 15 year old written by a 15 year old. So it's like this is presumably going to be a very accurate portrayal of a teen headspace in the situation. So yeah. I think that like that'll be really interesting. It'll be interesting to see if Aragon acts like a teenager because he's written by a teenager as the story goes on. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean like Christopher Paolini wasn't aiming to write a teen book, right? He yeah. was aiming to write a fantasy novel. And so yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but like one of the distinctions between like a child a child a what? A, book, a child. A child. <laughs> A book geared towards, like, children or young adults, there has to be, like, a through line of self-discovery and, like, learning, but coming into yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's usually an aspect of that Mm -hmm. in YA or 9 to 12. 
But if you're like, nah, I'm just writing Lord of the Rings, <laughs> there isn't going to be a lot of that <laughs> as a oh, main focus. I I don't remember a ton from this series. A lot of it is Aragon figuring out how to do shit. Yeah, it just okay. hasn't come up yet, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from the teen books I have read, they usually hit the ground running with that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, I enjoyed it. I like the part that made me start thinking about it was just like how totally casual he was when this magic <laughs> stone like exploded into existence. He's just yep. like, dang, magic. Like he reacts like he's like, oh, no. And he's like, careful about it. But he just like goes up to poke it. And he's like, yeah, it's a magic rock that appeared. <laughs> what should I do with it? <laughs> it's like Obviously what? grab it. Like, does everyone see magic all the time? <laughs> like, like, why is he so chill? Maybe that's like part of the teen aspect. Because I feel like if I was fifteen and I was out in the woods and found something weird, I would have been like, "Ooh, something weird." Like, this is maybe this is an adventure. Again, uh, to be fair, I read a lot of fantasy books when I was a teenager, so I was like hoping <laughs> to discover I was the chosen one. Um, right, right. Oh, I would yeah. definitely bring this magic rock home if I was a teenager. Now as a grown-up, if I was in the woods by myself and I heard an explosion, I would run away and not turn around and go straight home. <laughs> yeah. I'm not fucking with that. Like I have bills to pay. <laughs> Accurate. Like, yeah. I mean, that's sort of the vibe I get off of Aragon, who's just like hmm, should I pick up this stone? <laughs> At least it might pay for some food. It's like, yeah. my guy, it magicked itself <laughs> into existence in front of you. It's like blue. <laughs> what are you I doing? Think, so I interpreted it as he thought someone sent it there by magic, which is accurate. Mm -hmm. But I think he thinks it's like a gemstone. Yeah. And I know because I've read this book before that gemstones do have like magical power in this world. Okay. But he probably just views it as something unusual that I can sell for food, right? Like you yeah. said. He's going to use it as a fucking paperweight in his house. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I then, mean, he oops, tried to surprise. trade it for a roast beef. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> knowing what I know, and he's like, oh, can I use this to buy like a week's worth of meat? I'm like, you're going to just sell this dragon egg for a week's worth of meat? You absolute guns. <laughs> <laughs> I hope, uh, I hope, well, I was going to spoil. <laughs> Never mind. We'll get to it later. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, okay. No, it's fine. Uh, imagine having to tell <laughs> your dragon. <laughs> like, hey, I almost sold you for a week's worth of meat. <laughs> it's like, I was real Just hungry. So like, <laughs> I tried to give you away as soon as I found you as an infant. <laughs> 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 I was really hungry. Yeah. It would have been worth it. In my defense, I was hunting and you ruined it. <laughs> and you ruined it. <laughs> you showed up and you meant that I didn't get to kill a deer. <laughs> <laughs> so you actually owe me supper now. Yeah, forever. Supper yeah. forever. That's always like a good way to approach your relationships with families as like transactional. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It always yeah. works out. That's what I think. 
<laughs> you think sorry, I can't there... take that seriously. <laughs> yeah, it works every time, right, Sam? Every time. Yes. Every so time. <laughs> do you think there's a do you think there's a single dragon book out there that does not also have found family? Um uh, I feel like the nature of dragon books is a found family, right? Like it's a Yeah. I mean, the kind of dragon books that I like to read are the ones where you form like a very strong partnership between a person and a dragon, which is inherently a found family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, they have to go together. Is that why you like dragon books, Hannah? <laughs> Shut up. Yeah! I... <laughs> By so definition, they have Hannah to. Out. <laughs> they have to have found family. They do. Also, I was thinking about this today as someone who is like, I don't mind romance books, but I find romantic subplots really irritating. Mm-hmm. So I think as someone who like isn't interested by romance in books, usually when I'm going into something, knowing that the strongest relationship is going to be like a deep platonic bond between a person and a giant lizard, it like <laughs> gets uh-huh. me real stoked. <laughs> there there is no love stronger than that between a boy and his dragon (laughs) (laughs) but what about a girl and her dragon well yes but aragon is a boy (laughs) which is actually i feel like most of the dragon books i've read have boys in them so if you want to read one with a girl in it (laughs) uh yeah the priory of the orange tree Maybe you should read the Mercedes Lackey books. I'm oh. gonna. I want to have a, a like Dragon Book Month, but I'm too much of oh, a mood reader yeah. to like commit to that. Yeah, I was gonna say I failed on my pirate one. I mean, the girl doesn't show up until the second book, ah. so <laughs> I'm gonna write one. I mean, it's written. It's just the second book of the series. I'll get to it. I don't like reading ebooks as much as physical books, okay? <laughs> I'll mail you the real books. <laughs> you have to mail them back though. Okay. Doesn't Fireborn though? Like that's got oh, yeah. Annie and uh who's the other girl? Krissa. Krissa, that's it. Yeah. And Julia, kind of. And I mean and I'm gonna mention Sergey Masking, but Throne of Glass has Wyverns. And oh, some yeah. pretty badass females that fly those wyverns. I don't want to read Throne of Glass. <laughs> but, like, you would like it so much better. Hannah, honestly. Sam and I literally told you you would like Throne of Glass more than the other series. And then you it, read the other series. You read the other series, And yeah. don't want to read Throne of Glass because you didn't like the other series. The other series was the one the library had. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fair, but like seriously, you would like Throne of Glass better, and there's dragons in book three. But it's like eight books. <laughs> They're like twelve pages long. <laughs> well, the last ones are long, but the first ones are. Small. I've seen a Sarah J. Mass book. They are not small. They have could, uh, a lot. You could of mass. intruder with those. Ah! <laughs> Sophie, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I How dare it. I you! <laughs> I said you could say they have a lot of mass. Oh. Okay. Get it? Yeah. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Unlike yeah. this egg, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, back to whatever we were talking about before. I mean, there's not a ton to say about these chapters because they were like set up 
chapters. Yeah. Establishing character and location. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think I said this at the very beginning of Twilight, but I appreciate a concise, interesting, like we're in the scene now. Like we know exactly yeah. where we are. Mm-hmm. Everything's been set up. And yeah. that took like 10 pages. <laughs> yeah. I'm a huge fan of 9 to 12 or YA for that when they can do this really well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas in like a fantasy novel, it's like you're eight chapters in and they're still describing yep. what yeah. the setting is. <laughs> yeah. I always said Tamora Pierce is really good at this. Mm. Two sentences and you're like, I've got it. It's all under control. Dang. But this is That's also such a skill. Good. Yeah. Even for like an easier read. Mm-hmm. right like this is obviously like an easier read it's not difficult <laughs> no. to take in all the information coming in yeah i do feel like the author set the scene super well it's like yeah th- this is like a generic fantasy world with like the spine which is a mysterious forest on a mountain and then there's a ravine with a big river that leads to like a settlement and then goes out towards the sea and it's like okay I've read a fantasy book with these elements. Like, I know exactly what we're dealing with right now. Yeah. And, like, I'm sure we're going to shit on how tropey this book is going to get. Because there are no original thoughts anymore, but, like, some are more original than others. And I don't think this is going to be one of them. Hmm. But the advantage of using those, like, fantasy tropes is he can just drop you into this Palancar Valley. And you're like, yeah, I know what to expect here. Like, I know what's going on. Let's get on with the story. Yeah. On that point, is, <laughs> is the spine supposed to be Mordor? <laughs> like, is it supposed to represent the same thing that Mordor did in Lord of the Rings? I don't think I don't so. Because Mordor so. is, like, evil, right? And yeah. the spine is mysterious. I don't think the spine is malignant. Is it like, yeah. the, like the forest of the Ents? I forget what it's called. Like Mirkwood? Mirkwood, Yeah. Which- yeah. Wait, no, Mirkwood's the elf one. Yeah, I think there's an actual Mirkwood later. But it's the, like... Honestly, the immediate comparison that comes to my head is the Giver series. I think in the second and third book, there's, like, a magical forest that, like, nobody goes in or out of safely. But it's just kind of mysterious and, like, vaguely magical in its own right, as opposed to just being a forest where people do magic. Right. I think that's what this is. That makes more sense. I My brain was just like, because of that uh, passage that I read earlier where he's so clearly the chosen one, I was like, is this supposed to be like Mordor? But now I'm thinking about it, okay, mythical forest, like Mirkwood or the Ents place makes more yeah. sense. Yeah. Just me, this whole book, trying to relate everything to Lord of the Rings. <laughs> there will certainly be plenty to relate to Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it, won't, it won't be a... It won't be difficult, I don't think. Great, love that for me. I think you're the resident expert on Lord of the Rings, so you'll have to tell us when it happens. Yeah. I mean, I know the movies really well. I I can't remember the books worth anything, but movies, yes. (laughs) It took me like three years to read those books because they were so boring. (laughs) I had this exact conversation in the last episode. Uh, Probably. (laughs) You did. It's like so hard because... Like, I'm trying to think back on it, and now we're reading these books, and we've read 
all of these tropes a thousand times before. It's just, mm-hmm. It was the same thing when you were reading Twilight, right? Mm-hmm. Twilight was the first vampire book I read, probably. Mm-hmm. And Aragon was probably the first dragon book I read. So coming into it and looking at it and be like, oh man, all of these tropes for dragon books. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, but when I read it the first time, I was probably like, holy this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never seen anything like this. <laughs> Ever. I, I think it's a good successor to Twilight and that Twilight was very much like a gateway paranormal romance book. And Aragon is very much a gateway high fantasy book. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. It's not the most original. It's probably not the best. But it's going to be a lot of people's first high fantasy series. Yeah. Which is exciting. When you're 14 and you're like, holy sh- dragons. Yeah. <laughs> it could be like this. <laughs> yeah. I think I read some dragon books even before this one. I mean, like, there's the Dragon of- Dragons of Del Toro series, which is a little bit different, but... Did that come out before Aragon, though? I don't know. I felt like that was later. Was it? I like I can't remember when I read this and Dragons of Del Toro and like there was the Dragon Rider book by Cornelia Funk and there were like a couple oh, yeah. other books. Yeah. I read a lot of Dragon books specifically around this age and I don't remember all of them, but this was definitely like the most expansive of the worlds that I read at that age. And I think like I I can't think of a book where I have enjoyed the dragon-human relationship as much as I do in this series. It It is very similar in some ways to the Temeraire books, which are like almost the adult version of this. They're historical fantasy more than high fantasy, but it's a similar, similar um, trope in that like a dragon hatches and chooses a person and they are bonded. Spoiler. Uh, <laughs> Whoa! I mean, <laughs> in case in case you hadn't guessed that that happens, <laughs> but like, I I really like how close the the dragon rider relationship is in this mm-hmm. series, and that mm-hmm. has clearly informed a lot of my favorites. Shut up, Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> really, you like that a lot, Hannah? <laughs> I <I'm> do. <shocked. laughs> Would you say that that that's your favorite? It sure is one of my favorites. <laughs> I can't tell if I feel hot and sweaty right now because it's like 30 degrees here or because I'm embarrassed. <laughs> Listen. Listen. We all have our favorites. Listen. We do. Twilight was the uh the book where we call out Sam and this is the book it's where we true. call out Hannah. <laughs> We're going to call out Hannah the whole time. Yep. Gonna be can't amazing. wait to call out Sophie. Uh-oh. Oh man. <laughs> I'm gonna start preparing my colors. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. Do we have to beep that out if there's a good chance it's gonna be our next book? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) But that's so far from now. We're only two chapters into Aragon. (laughs) I did. I did want to confirm that the first uh, Dragons of Del Toro book came out in 2005. So. Oh wow. After Aragon. Yeah. Oh. Interesting. I only felt like that was the case because I remember reading the Dragons of Del Toro and having the visceral feeling like I was doing something wrong because I was way too old to be reading them. Oh, yeah. Right. Actually, I had that too. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of gateway to high fantasy books, 
if you are younger than 12 and you want a gateway to high fantasy book for that person, it's Deltora Quest. It's those ones. It's those ones. <laughs> They're still good. I am turning this podcast into a <laughs> Deltora Quest promo uh, <laughs> product. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> Listen, it's good, you guys. <laughs> I always wanted to be Jasmine. (laughs) I mean, she was cool. Oh, she was so cool. I wanted to be her so bad when I grew up. She was 12, but like I wasn't yet. (laughs) But but one day I could be 12, probably. Someday I'll be 12 and that'll be Jasmine and then I'll be 15 and I'll be Aragon. (laughs) (laughs) The dream. And now I'm almost 30. What happened? What's a cool thing that happens once you're 30? Listen, we just got to write more cool books with over 30-year-olds. Grown-ups going on adventures. I just had a recommendation on TikTok of a protagonist in a fantasy romance that was 30. And I was like, hells yes, I'm going to read that. Yeah, got to read that one. Yeah. Gotta. Yeah. But it is very uncommon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tired of reading about 19-year-olds. Right? (laughs) 19 is like the youngest i think usually you find in adults as protagonists and so like everyone just takes advantage of that yes all the sure creepy read... men who write fantasy yeah. are like mm. yep she she was live and nubile and 19 oh, years old and it's I like i'm it. putting this book down now <laughs> i hate it i mean i've read a lot of fantasy novels where they were younger than 19 also so yeah. like yeah. there's no <laughs> age limit yeah, we went on like a wildly long tangent there. <laughs> Oopsie. You know what? It's almost as long as the distance that Aragon's family lives from the town. Because <laughs> they live in this like tiny little town that's the only town in this valley other than Heronsford or whatever it was called. And Aragon's like, yeah, I walk back to my uncle's place 10 miles from town. Oh, God. Just a casual 10 miles. That's so far. Wait, so how, far. I need to 10 miles in kilometers. How much in kilometers? I, I'm looking. It, it was night when he left the 16. butcher's shop. So he walked 16 kilometers at night with a pack full of meat back to back. That literally oh would take you, like... It would take so hours. Long. It would take, like, six hours minimum, I'm pretty sure. 16 kilometers? I, I hiked, what did I hike that one day? I hiked 23 kilometers and it took nine hours. Yeah, it takes me about 15 minutes to walk a kilometer. If the land was completely flat, like, yeah, maybe he could walk it fast. But, like, I'm assuming he probably had to, like, go over some hills and some rocky areas. And, like, it wasn't all uh, sunshine and roses on that walk. Yeah, like, that's at least a couple hours. It's crazy. Guys, that's like going from the aquarium in toronto to scarborough oh my god <laughs> ew <laughs> like like past scarborough like past the bluffs wow how long does it take to walk 17 kilometers on quora it says about two and a half hours at a average walking pace that's ridiculous Dang. do they no. not have a horse yeah. this says three hours and 45 minutes that's so long I mean, I guess, to be fair, he was out in the woods for a week by himself. Yeah. True. I don't know why I'm getting precious about it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dang. Anyway. Still, though. Yeah, that's so far. I also thought it was weird that he specified miles in the same paragraph as he's using leagues as a unit of measure. 
Yeah. It's like they're, they're both yeah. distance. And I did a teeny bit more Googling about leagues because last time we talked about it last time, but it was like very brief surface level and we were looking yeah. at a nautical term. Apparently there's also like a terrestrial one, which is basically the distance it takes to walk three miles or how far you can walk in an hour are like kind of the rough oh, meanings okay. of a league. Yes. Which is so unhelpful that no wonder nobody yeah. actually uses that as a unit of measure anymore. But it, it's just a weird choice to use both leagues and miles in the same yeah. setting. It'll be interesting to see, yeah, what else like one of those things they talk about it the accidental world building or whatever yeah Mm -hmm. when you include things like miles it implies the discovery and creation of mile as a unit of measurement yeah (laughs) exists in this world yeah (laughs) yeah i saw some a whole tiktok rant someone did about i think it was like a throwaway line about someone in a landlocked city using salt and they went down this wild rabbit hole of like what that means for the universe that oh this story is created in and i'm like so this is like <laughs> us with our vampire biology but it's people with different areas of expertise doing yeah. like their thing <laughs> but yeah it's like why miles <laughs> I yeah <love> that. <laughs> <laughs> whenever i read a book and they use some strange word to denote like an hour like it's essentially an hour but they've yeah clearly gone to the extent of world building to the point where like well like the word hour wouldn't exist because they wouldn't you know be measuring time in such and such way because it yeah. wouldn't have been invented <laughs> that it's just like dang that's what you know the world building was intense for this book <laughs> yeah for me when you get to the point where you're giving an hour a different name it's like you're just doing this to show that you did some world building or you got like super Mm -hmm. lost in the weeds yeah because it reduces the clarity of your book if people have to remember that like it's true yeah this specific uh set of syllables means an hour when you could just say that and like assume that it means something different or whatever i've had the same kind of thing where it's like what would people who live near a mountain eat in a fantasy world and it's like do they eat the same thing that exists in like a human world (laughs) or like on earth near a mountain or like it's a fantasy world and there's like different animals there's going to be different pollinators there's got to be different vegetation in this fantasy world where there's different animals and you like end up going down a wild rabbit hole of like how much of this do I have to make into fantasy right (laughs) (laughs) I was literally having like a similar conversation with my boyfriend the other day because we were like don't you hate how like fantasy books only have like one or two animals or like in sci-fi where it's like you only ever see like one or two animals but like there would be a whole ecosystem like there's over how many species of beetles alone on earth and it's like there should be so much more but we only ever get like one or two but then to think of the sheer amount of work it would take to come up with an entire ecosystem worth of animals for a book it's like okay yeah fair (laughs) and then that's not even touching on like you have to come up with the ecological history, but then yeah. also the geographical history, like yep. the anthropological history, the linguistic history. It's like, this, that, too much. That's too much. <laughs> yeah. I follow a couple like concept artists on Twitter. Oh, cool. And sometimes I, there's like one in particular, their name is Jay Eaton. Mm-hmm. They have invented a bunch of like sci fi sentient races. 
and just okay. the amount of detail they go into yeah they'll they'll have like a diagram of like the musculature and then or another time they'll be Whoa. like and here's like the difference between ceremonial dress and you know regular dress and here's the history behind it and it's like oh my god oh my god this is amazing <laughs> yep i love that i love that yeah. a lot it's intense yeah yeah <laughs> So anyway, writing a book is really easy, and I don't know why um, <laughs> none of us have done it yet. <laughs> World building is fun, but really difficult to keep on the rails. Yeah. And I'm excited to see more of the world that Christopher Paolini has built to stick Aragon into. Hell yeah. <laughs> Going into a fantasy book like this, even though it's, you know, as we've said, heavily similar to <laughs> Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Like, it's just mm-hmm. kind of like you go into it and you can relax a little bit. Like, you're like, I know the pieces that make up this world. Yeah. Right? yeah. And I can just, I don't have to kind of stress about like, oh God, and I have to remember like these people and these species and these, you know, this setup of the political sphere. You're like, I kind of know how it's going to work. <laughs> Mm-hmm. yeah so i don't have to really stress i just have to remember the weird names that have been given to the elves and the orcs and the <laughs> dwarves yep <laughs> the urgles the urgles and the, the urgles yeah so looking forward to that mm-hmm. did we want to guess what happens next time <laughs> yeah the next two chapters are dragon tales Dragon Tales, the best TV show. Um, it's almost, almost time, time for Dragon, Dragon Tales. <laughs> exactly. And uh, the one after it is Fate's Gift. Oh. I have some guesses. I got, I, I know, I know, I know. Okay, Sam, go. Okay, Sam. Dragon Tales is going to be his his uncle, or who does he live with again? Yeah, his uncle, Garo, and his cousin, Rorin, which is going to be great because I can't f***ing say this name and Rorin. it's an audio medium. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Um, so those two are going to tell him like some fantastical story about dragons and like he's going to get all like, wow, that's so f***ing cool. Like, I want a dragon. And then the second chapter, I forget what it's called already. Sophie, what was it called Fate's again? Gift. Fate's gift, Fate's gift is going to be a dragon, and he's going to meet his dragon, and he's going to get a baby dragon. That's my guess. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say that seems pretty fast, but if I've learned anything about reading Twilight, it's that, yeah, yeah. it's, it's going to happen that fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's my guess as well, although I'm pretty sure... Sh- I think it's going to be a different character who tells the dragon tale. That's also what I was going to say. Oh, okay, okay. But I'm not going to say who it is because Sam hasn't met them yet. Okay. (laughs) Chill. Chill. Yeah. Sophie, are you thinking of the one I'm thinking of? No, I'm not. I don't remember anybody. Wasn't there? I think there's... Maybe I'm getting an inkling of a character that exists that might be the one. (laughs) But um, anyway, we'll see if I'm also right. (laughs) Listen, it's definitely not Obi-Wan Kenobi. I was, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm getting, oh. my brain is saying Aragorn vibes. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I really get in that character. <laughs> you know, the gotta have character of Aragorn slash Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. You That's know. my favorite character. I'm Me too. not surprised. Yeah. I love Aragorn. Hells yeah. So I think we've got a pretty good guess. Yeah. Solid. 
we know uh, the basic pieces that are going to go together to make this book, I think. <laughs> I think <so>. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Well, then let's talk about what we've been reading. Uh, I don't want to talk about the majority of what I've been reading. because. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I just moved to a new place. I'm a, don't have any friends here yet. I've just been reading a lot of historical romance, but I did start the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, so oh, I'm really yeah. excited about that one. Yeah, what do you think so far? One. I'm like two chapters in, so it's pretty <laughs> good. But I've really only just started. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm excited for it though. Nice. So I just finished a nonfiction audiobook called oh. Braiding Sweetgrass, Indigenous Wisdom, Scientific Knowledge, and the Teachings of Plants. It's great. 10 out of 10. Like, go read it. You learn a lot. I liked it I've a lot. I've heard a lot of really good things about that book. Yeah, the audiobook was really well done, too. The author reads it, and um, it's oh. just like a very peaceful book to listen to. Like, her voice is very soothing. So I highly recommend that. And then physically, uh, I am a little bit behind on our Midlight Book Club, but I just started Boundary Side. Uh, I definitely will not finish it by the end of August, <laughs> but I'll have it read by the end of September as lo- uh, alongside our September book, Yay. which I guess I should mention because... It's my birthday book. It's Yay. Sophie's birthday book. Yeah. Uh, and she is picked. Do you want to say it? Yeah, I picked one of my favorite books that I read. Uh, recently, which was The 10,000 Doors of January by Alex Yay. Harrow. It's so good. I'm very excited to read it. Like, it's been on my TBR since you told me about it. So I'm very glad Same. you're like forcing us to read it. I like it. I'm here <laughs> I, for it. I hope it holds up because. Yeah, I, I heard nothing but like, good things about it. Yeah, it gave me a lot of feels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's my that's my reading. Hannah, what about you? Yeah, I am also behind and started Foundryside today. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> yep. I, listen, the first two chapters got me, though. I was like, this yeah, is The first this chapter is got me hooked, too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here for it. It seems like, it seems like it's going to have Lies of Locke Lamora vibes with a really interesting magic system. Yeah. It's like what I've got from the first three chapters. So I'm looking forward to continuing that. I was tried to read more, but I fell asleep. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, not an indictment on the book, but definitely an indictment on my sleep schedule. <laughs> Other than that, I'm still listening to the audiobooks of the Bartimaeus trilogy. I'm about halfway through the third book in the series now, and I still love it. It's so good. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for a middle grade fantasy book that's not Aragon. <laughs> I definitely recommend the Bartimaeus trilogy by Jonathan Stroud. Nice. And yeah, um, so we'll have more to talk about Aragon and dragons and my uh, mm-hmm. literary proclivities later. <laughs> but <laughs> for now, if you liked this chapter of Midlight Crisis, consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. You can talk to us and find fun-related content on social media. We are at Midlight Pod on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, and all chapters of the show thus far are available on our website, midlightpod.podbean.com, and on YouTube. 
And much like us reading eight pages and talking about it for an hour, in these chapters of Aragon, Sloane spent his leisure time digging in obscure crannies for minuscule pieces of filth. Because <laughs> what else are you going to do with your time, right? Yeah, we definitely um, didn't spend 15 minutes talking about what a mile is. 